CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. Canadian Football Countdown starts now. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. As always, I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell. We are back talking more CFL football here today with our Week 3 CFL preview episode of the podcast. Mike, how are you doing? Great, great. Happy to be back here talking more CFL football. Uh, of course, uh, if you missed the news uh, that came out on Tuesday, we are now officially members of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. So uh, we're very honored to be a part of that now. And make sure you go to cfpodnetwork.ca uh, and at cfpodnetwork on Twitter to find all of the great Canadian Football Podcast Network shows and have a listen to those as well. Also, if you missed our week two recap episode of the podcast, that's out on all the podcast feeds uh, now as well. We recorded that Tuesday night, actually right before we started recording this episode. So uh, make sure you check that out as well. Week two is come and gone, Mike. Uh, we're now into week three of the uh, of the CFL. Uh, what's your take through two weeks and coming into week three? Well, I, I think again, this is where you start to see things slowly start to come into focus a little bit more. Um, like I said yesterday, you know, week one is kind of a guess. Week two, you know, you kind of see the opposite, which is what we have been seeing. And today, week three and week, week three to week six becomes about like the steadying point, and you can start to really make some projections. Uh, pick them last week. We both went two and two. We went all west, uh, last week and, uh, we, well, the Red Blacks end up beating the Riders and the Ticats end up beating the Eskimos. So we both got those wrong, but we both picked the Bombers and the Stampeders to win their respective games. Uh, looking at CFL Fantasy, a very solid week for myself. Over a hundred points this week. I believe I had something around the 120 mark. Uh, it helped when I took Mr. Michael Garrell's advice and uh, put Chris Streveler in my lineup this week at a $6,000 salary. Had one of, I think, the top five fantasy point totals in CFL fantasy history. Incredible. Congratulations. Once in a while, my advice is good for something. Of course, I was one-upped by none other than my dad, Mike, in CFL fantasy this week, who... Finished 37th overall out of everybody with 150-something points. Family conversation just got a whole lot awkward. <laughs> uh, let's get into talking about week three here. It starts on Thursday night uh, with the Ottawa Red Blacks and the Calgary Stampeders in Calgary. Uh, book us in for overtime in this one, Mike. Uh, it seems like every time these two teams play, we get that. Well, I mean, as the stats would suggest, book this in for a possible great cup preview in week three. I, I think that's a little uh, far-fetched. Yeah, but, that's a little little bit premature. But uh, top two teams in the CFL, hint, hint, doing battle this week. Top two teams in the CFL from Calgary and Ottawa. Are you teasing your power rankings for this week, Mike? 
Maybe, but you'll have to stay tuned for the website. Right, MikeFMWinnipeg.com slash the Canadian Football Countdown. Uh, that last part hyphenated. You can find Mike's power rankings there coming out Thursday morning. Um, Storylines in this matchup, what are they? Well, can the teams find a way to stay away from the tie? And can the offenses go punch for punch? Who makes the big play de- defensively, which kind of turns the football game in said team's favor? The Noel Thorpe edge. We two for this guy in that offense. Look for Bowley by Mitchell and company to study uh, defensive tendencies. But again, I think the one unknown is Noel Thorpe into this um, game between two very good football teams. It's interesting because defensively, we have two very strong defenses, I would say, and the Noel Thorpe factor in Ottawa uh, definitely adds to that. And we know what Calgary's defense is capable of. But we also have two quarterbacks who can put up some very strong games and have some very strong weapons at their disposal. I wouldn't be shocked, Ryan, to see both teams eclipse the mid-30s in this game point-wise. Well, that seems to happen when they play, right? We had a couple barn burners between them last year. I'm thinking a 34-31, something like that. So we're expecting a high-scoring game here. Uh, If you, you know, looking at the matchup between uh, Bolivar Mitchell... Trevor Harris uh, and the weapons they have at their disposal. Who do you like? Well, early on, I think I like uh, Calgary in that department a little bit. But, you know, as far as the big play capability, don't ever undersell the uh, Trevor Harris to Greg Ellington and a few other on that list. Yeah, there's a couple of receivers for Calgary or for Ottawa that you I'm, know are going to rack up the catches here. I'm fully expecting. Um, both offenses to have lots of big plays in this game. Uh, the little bit I do know about CFL fantasy, but my head suggests stay away from both these defenses this week. Yeah, although, again, strong defenses between these for both of these teams, right? Make those big plays on defense. Uh, if you want to talk about fantasy uh, on the Calgary side of the ball, the number one guy to watch for me, um, would probably be Eric Rogers because when Eric Rogers was last in the CFL, he was dominant in almost every game he played. First game back this year, took a bit of time to get it going in the lineup. Um, but five catches, 131 yards, and two touchdowns against the Argos for him. That being said, Mike, I think it's kind of the same thing we talked about last week. Uh, Bowie by Mitchell is going to spread the ball around a lot. Do you uh, do you take stock and would you take the chance if you played CFL fantasy on a Calgary receiver when there's a question of which one's going to get the ball the most? Um, without having looked at it, um, I would look at maybe to see what the rest of the league offers as far as receivers. Um, one thing that would scare me along with Calgary and also the Bombers too, uh, ball distribution. Nobody seems to really be leading with. You know, the 11, 12, 13 catches, uh, it's a lot more spread out. And obviously a huge game for Bo Levi Mitchell last week, so maybe he's a look at the quarterback position. Although, one would suggest if you are going to play fantasy to maybe have another look at Chris Strebler while he is as cheap as he is, because as as the season goes on, I can tell you that the more Chris Strebler played, the more success he had the more expensive he will be in yeah. fantasy. So you might want that low ceiling. Yeah, and we'll get into that one uh, when we talk about the Bombers and the Ticats. 
Uh, running back position for Calgary, still a bit of a mystery here. I mean, Don Jackson, well, Terry Williams actually had more carries in this game, but Jackson had more yards. You know, Don Jackson for me would be a look at my flex position. Again, dual, or, dual running bats are becoming more and more popular. Or even Terry Williams had a punt return touchdown last week. I mean, Calgary's offense is so dynamic. It's hard if you're playing fantasy football to pick one guy over the yeah, other. Yeah, so I would kind of... Honestly, the only slam that maybe because you know he's going to be involved a lot is Bully by Mitchell if you can afford his salary and your salary cap. But beyond that, I mean, the rest of it, I wouldn't say he's a crapshoot. It's just a matter of who you gets the hope ball. that your guy gets the ball to get to the point. Ottawa side of things, uh, there's also still questions of who's going to get the ball, but I think you know that whoever gets, like, some of these guys are still going to get consistently a lot of catches each week. Yeah, like, and, and I like, would... Brad Sinopoli was a guy I actually took in my lineup this past week. Uh, he had a cheap salary, something like 3500 and, and you know Sinopoli's going to get five catches at least every game, pick up a couple yards, maybe gets a touchdown along the way. And the one big play, too, which brings in lots of points. Uh, same thing with Greg Ellingson. I mean, Greg Ellingson one of the top receivers in the game. Uh, and Deontay Spencer, I think one of the most speedy and dynamic players in the CFL at the wide You would be an option, too, if, if you're looking for an offensive shootout. I'm not sure where I sit as far as taking William Powell as my running back, however. Why? Um, just because I, I feel that there's other options out there. Like, it, it depends where you where you put your salary, right? I mean, if, if you want proven, you know, a, a big salary player in on your fantasy team might mean making something a little bit weaker, you know, in your lineup. That being said, I was listening to the CFL's official fantasy podcast earlier today, and they mentioned something along the lines of only 100, uh, less than 200 people took Powell this past week, and uh, those who did were rewarded. So, uh, we're both... I think I think part of it is, and just to touch on that real quick, I think Edmonton straight, Ottawa, so he strikes themselves as a pass-first offense. I think they'd like to get the running game more involved. I think they might have found something last week. But I think everybody thinks pass when it comes to Ottawa. Uh, so we there we're expecting a close game. We're expecting a high-scoring game here. Uh, who are we expecting to win this one? Well, if I should take the tie, I would, but I can't break any more rules today. <laughs> so I'll take Calgary by a field goal. But wouldn't surprise me uh, if this one shifts in Ottawa's favor. Yeah, uh, like uh, I think this could go to overtime, like previous matchups have. Why not uh, a tie? Uh, that could happen too. It did happen last season or the year before. Uh, the Stampeders are at home. Uh, I think it's going to be a really close game, but uh, I like believe by Mitchell late in the game uh, if it comes down to it. So Interesting dynamic too in Calgary with the weather. Apparently I'm hearing it's supposed to be a little cooler than, than uh, regular summer days in Calgary, so... Uh, next matchup, the Bombers in Hamilton facing the Ticats. Uh, stay tuned. Second half of this episode of the podcast, uh, I had an interview uh, with Joe Pritchard of the Rouge, White, and Blue podcast uh, previewing this game. So look for more in-depth preview of the matchups in this one. I don't care what anybody says. This, to me, is kind of the game of the week here. Uh, I think Calgary-Ottawa might be game of the week, but... I am so hyped up for this game after what I saw the Bombers do last week and what I saw the Ticats do. The who, would, who would have ever thought before this season started we'd be talking week three, 
epic quarterback battle, Jeremiah Mazzoli versus Chris Strebler. Well, I think it still would have been an epic quarterback matchup with Matt Nichols. Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. But but, but knowing the way Chris Strebler performed, the one thing that does concern me is that people start jumping off the Strebler bandwagon if he hits that inevitable wall. I hope he doesn't, but if he, you know, can this fan base stomach a two-interception game, a three-interception game, because you know it's coming, right? It's not, not all smooth sailing. I'm not saying it's going to happen this week. That's just a, a general question on my part. I think here's the first major test for him because the Ticats defense has looked really good in shutting down Calgary, uh, Bolivia Mitchell under 50% passing in that game. Uh, and then they held the Eskimos uh, off pretty well defensively. So Here's the thing for me, though, Ryan, if you want to look at matchups, but I think the Bombers can expose based on uh, play calling a little bit. Um, the running game, slight favor to the Bombers with Andrew Harris. Again, you know, Tim's had a really big game last week, so it's kind of a Who? soft. Who did? The, the running back for Hamill. Oh, Mercer Timmis. Timmis. Yeah. Timmis. Uh, I'll put about another that Tim's. Brian Tim's also. Yeah. 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 Um, but, uh, I mean, so, yeah, it's, it's an epic uh, duo where, you know, these are, and I don't want to make light of one big game, but, you know, if he keeps this up, no reason he can't be in the discussion with, Andrew Harris among the top running backs in the league, but that's a little bit too far too soon. But what I'm looking for here in this game, turnovers to be a premium. One thing I like about Stradler is he hasn't exactly forced the ball, you know, to terrible spots where it could be picked off. He had the one play on the opening drive where if Montreal would have intercepted that, who knows how the game changes. But far and away, uh, Straveler, three, three touchdowns, two interceptions in week number one. Three touchdowns, zero interceptions. So you want that three-to-one ratio for touchdown to interception. Uh, one real bad interception for Jeremiah Mazzoli with the game on the line. Granted, probably wanted to force something in there if it wasn't there. Would, could they have won the game if he elected to throw it up a lot of bounds? We'll never know. But again, two ties that... Really like to protect the football. So if you force a turnover, you're going to want to score on it in this game. Yeah, and uh, you'll hear more about this later in my uh, more in-depth preview with Joe Pritchard. But uh, it's almost like these are two very evenly matched teams. And uh, this is, game's going to come down to which team makes more of the big plays. And uh, that becomes a question because the Bombers' defense are known for giving up the big plays. Can they shut that down in this game as a major storyline? In the to me. same sense, they have had success against Mazzoli forcing the turnover early on in Mazzoli's starting career in Hamilton. See the Lightning game for the Lightning game of a couple years ago as an example. Right. You can't just say the Lightning game anymore, Mike, because uh, in the CFL, that's every week now. So. But granted, of course, Jeremiah Mazzoli has made huge strides since that game, so I don't know how much you can read into that. Well, and the question for the Bombers' defense is who do you cover? 
you've got Luke Dasker, you've got Terrence Tolliver, you've got Brandon Banks, who's going to so, get a long bomb thrown so his way. this, to me, is where the loss of Anthony Diener might hurt a little bit, but I would expect the uh, guys uh, to move in there as well, uh, seemingly rotating. This is the die for me that has big game written all over for number four of the Blue Bombers. Adam Hill wasn't really noticeable last week, obviously, because the blowout fins aren't exactly fine-tuned with a magnifying glass as to who's playing well. Um, but again, you know, that front four needs to have a really good game, rotate some guys in there. Big here one, of course, on the corner, right? The biggest thing that I found in, in the Montreal game, and I, I think it bears repeating, they got so much pressure on the quarterback that they didn't really have to worry about the back end of the defense because the play never really got to the back end of the <laughs> Back end of the defense on the corner. So, again, how do you balance that fine line? Because I can tell you what, you can bring the house against Jeremiah Mazzoli all you want. If he reads it, he's going to find his guy in one-on-one. And then it's predicated on the corner. So, that's why those guys in the middle like Big Hill, Santos Knox, are going to be a large part responsible with the result of this football game. Uh, let's talk fantasy here, and let's talk the Ticats side of things first. Uh, gotta go Jeremiah Mazzoli as a strong candidate at the quarterback position. Again, um, again if you want to expose that shootout type of game, he would be he would be an option. But me yeah. thinks this will be a offensive slash a little bit defensive game. He, he's a guy that can use his legs really well to make plays happen, and that's something the Bombers, along with the big plays, have shown they struggle to deal with in the past but couple in, of on, years. But on the same sense, Hamilton is going to have to deal with the same thing, right? Streveler looked at him taped off in the open field. If I had to pick a receiver for Hamilton to look at this week, got to go Brandon Banks because you, you know he's the money guy for the deep ball. Especially on the first play of the game. Yeah, you know he's the money guy for the deep ball. The Bombers are susceptible to the big play on defense. Uh, if I had to guess, Brandon Banks is going to pick up uh, something like a 50-yard catch minimum uh, and have a pretty good day here as well. Um Mercer Timmis, uh, would you take him this week after a strong game last week? Depends what they do. Uh, for me, it's more on the number of carries for him. Uh, I would say he did enough to warrant you know, a starter's package, but you just never know. If there's one thing, second half of last season, early this season, I can take away from the Ticats, you know, pretty successful in that span, is run the ball. Because... C.J. Gable never really got that much of a chance to run the ball when he was with the Ticats. Alex Green was handing the ball off. June Jones got his running backs used a lot more in the offense than Kent Austin did. And we saw it this week against Edmonton. Mercer Timmis had a big game. So if Hamilton's you know, going to have a good offensive game, got to get the ball in the running back's hand. Just the real quick thing. And that's unfortunately why I believe that C.J. Dable was kind of forced out of town in Hamilton. He wasn't really being used uh, for his price point, if you know what I mean. Right. In the same sense, funny thing can now be said about C.J. Dable in Edmonton. They don't really use him, I think, as much as they should. Uh, Bombers side of things, I'll take Chris Streveler at a cheap salary again this week. Heck yeah, I mean, he proved it right last week. 30-something points. Uh... Like I said, Tate. Tate Strudler, while 
while you can buy him low. Andrew Harris is going to be good to pitch in uh, something around 20 points every week. Who do you take if you're a receiver for the Blue Bombers, given how well they spread the ball out? Well, uh, if you're looking for a value option to play this week in your lineup, it's the guy who, by my recollection, granted uh, Luke Tasker might be tied with him now, but uh, as far as I can tell, Drew Wolitarski is tied for first in the CFL in touchdown catches, Mike. Three touchdown catches in two weeks. Who saw that coming Coming well, into this again, year. Again, I think it was about that. I think I said this last week, or I may have said this to you in person. You know, each quarterback has their own set of receivers uh, that they covet, that they trust. Nichols has his guys. Strebler has his guys. Yeah, and for Strebler, it seems to be Dressler. Made Dressel. the with the college roomie and, and Wallatarski. Yeah, and it seems to be Dressler and Wallatarski are kind of his two guys he likes to look at here. The only thing here. that would concern me, and this is a long-term, long-term thing, like years down the line, all of a sudden, if a guy like Wallatowski with a good season can kind of maybe price himself out of Winnipeg mm. as far as free agency goes. Uh, do you take Darvin Adams at quarterback this week, Mike? No, just kidding. I don't think that's an option. Well, do people get credit at least for the passing yards of Darvin Adams? They do not. I think they should, though. That's sad. <laughs> uh, overall take on this football game, uh, how do you see this one going? Close. It did come down to one big play. Home field might take a bit of an advantage. I still don't fully trust the Bomber defense. You know, when it really honestly comes down to it, wouldn't surprise me if the Bombers win this game. I'm going to go with the safe pick, which I think is Hamilton, to the tune of 24-17. Hamilton. Yeah, I'll go with the Ticats with a late drive to win this one until the Bombers show me that they can stop that late drive. Uh, I love Hamilton's offense. It was a thing of beauty against Edmonton. Uh, I think it will be a fun game to watch, but I'm going to take the Ticats to win this one over the Bombers. The one thing I will say is I don't believe that Jeremiah Manzoli has played a defense quite like what he's about to experience as far as pressure. Calgary might be number one. But Edmonton didn't exactly bring the house last week. So the Bombers, if that front four can get after them, will make things a little more interesting. Uh, next game, second half of the Friday night doubleheader, the BC Lions coming off the bye facing the Edmonton Eskimos. Um, Storylines in this game, uh, what are they? Well, Edmonton defense for me, number one. And can Jonathan Jennings show that week one was not a fluke and just continue to build off of it? Yeah, BC's an interesting one because they had the week one win over Montreal, which granted was almost a little more of a close game than a lot of us were expecting it to be. But some of their guys, uh, a.k.a. Jonathan Jennings, also played very well in that game and he was very accurate. Edmonton's defense struggled against Hamilton this week and they have a lot of missing pieces there on defense. Uh, That's going to be an interesting matchup to watch Jonathan Jennings versus uh, Edmonton's defense there. Also, I think if you want to talk about storylines, how many guys from Edmonton went over to BC this offseason, Mike? And uh, how many guys are making, you know, their debut in a Lions uniform uh, against the Eskimos? Yeah, so that's that's a very interesting thing. And again, uh, the weakness of uh, that Edmonton defense is really concerning for me. But I think they'll pick it up eventually here. Uh, Odell Willis, uh, you think he'll be fired up to play the Eskimos? I think so, and I also think 
you know, I, I think we made too much of because it's such a small lead, players playing their old teams. Just because they've been on so many teams, you know. Right. Like every week Kevin Gwen plays his old team. <laughs> so that's exactly what I'm thinking. So I think the first game you may get yourself fired up, i.e. Willie to play Winnipeg the first time around. And that's time around, I don't think it's a big deal. That's fair. That's fair. Um, kind of roughly, what are we expecting? Are we expecting another strong game from Jonathan Jennings here? Uh, or do you think uh, it was just that he was playing Montreal week one? I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. You know, BCU is in that unfortunate position, right? You don't know what they are because they played, honestly, the weakest team in the CFL in week number one and then had to buy. So... I don't know. I don't know what we read into the Edmonton defense yet. So I I think looking at these games this week, we're in for our third high-scoring game of the week because I think a lot of us would agree BC uh, and Edmonton their weaknesses are on defense, and uh, I'm expecting another high-scoring game between these two teams. I have to believe, to be honest with you, Ryan, but when it comes down to one play. Just one play to determine an outcome of a football game. I think Edmonton can get it. I still don't think we fully know what BC is. So, Canada and BC at home they had a really good record under Wally at home. Well, no, the game's in Edmonton. But, oh, so the game is in Edmonton yes, on the road. Yeah. So, um, at the Birchfield, the Commonwealth, third game of the year for Edmonton, set in for BC. Leaning by a coin flip in the direction of Edmonton, I guess. I, I to me, this is more of a toss up. Um, it wouldn't surprise me either way. Yeah, it's a toss up for me as well. Uh, I was high on the Lions coming into this year. Uh, I saw some good things from them, even though they didn't, you know, blow Montreal out of the water week one. I have some questions uh, defensively for the Eskimos, but that offense is really good for Edmonton. I want to see C.J. Gable get more involved in that offense this week, Uh, maybe take a bit of pressure off Mike Riley to connect on that deep ball uh, that often. But I think we're in for a close game, but I'm sticking with what I said earlier in the season, that the Lions would be good this year. I'm taking the BC Lions to win a close game here, Mike. Yeah, and again, this is one of those that wouldn't surprise you either way. Um, looking at the fantasy matchups in this one, uh, BC, uh, my guy Shaq Johnson, another <laughs> week? Or... It took you two seconds to mention that. <laughs> no, no, but actually, Brian Burnham's probably the guy I'm going for. Uh, take advantage of that Eskimos secondary that's banged up. Brian Burnham's a guy that just... Like, you don't even need to throw the ball anywhere near him. Did you mention Manny Arsenal? Hmm. I, I, that's another guy there as so, well, right? Again, it comes down to who gets the ball more, Who gets right? the ball. I mean, Brian Burnham's a guy, you don't even have to throw the ball near him. It just somehow ends up in his hands. Like, I don't get how he makes some of these catches. Yeah. Uh, looking back at the one he made against Hamilton last year, which was, in my opinion, catch of the year, uh, that diving catch in the end zone. Uh, I like He Brian. almost made one against Montreal, too. I, I think he couldn't get a foot in what would have maybe been a catch of the century. So I like Brian Burnham there, and I'm also expecting another big game from Jonathan Jennings this week. But I like other quarterback options I, I know a we better. have a ways to go with this, but do you believe that Brian Burnham maybe gets a look in the NFL? Maybe. 
I don't know. It's hard to it's hard for me to tell who actually gets a look because we've seen some great players that deserve looks in the NFL uh, that haven't gotten them, and uh, I think we've seen some cases of the opposite as well. Maybe where uh, it was a bit of a surprise to see a guy get an NFL tryout. So, and certainly some that we thought did well deserve it. So I think I think that's uh, that's a hard question to answer. Um, Edmonton side of things, uh, never, you can never go wrong if you pick Mike Riley. Would you tend to agree with that? Yeah, I tend to agree with that. To me, the question becomes price point and can you get, take a little bit of a cheaper quarterback, but get an upgrade at receiver, right? So it's that fine balance of, right. Cause Mike Riley's the most expensive. You put all player. your fantasy money in one wheelbarrow. Uh, Darrell Walker and Duke Williams, uh, I think, are clearly the two top guys in Edmonton at wide receiver. You know those guys are going to be the ones that get the ball quite a bit here. If you're looking for a cheaper option, Kenny Stafford, maybe? He had a big he had a big game against the Bombers. He had a big catch there against the Hamilton for 50-something yards. Would you take a chance on Kenny Stafford knowing that uh, Mike Riley likes to throw the deep ball? Yeah, yeah, and it's it's a it's a fine right? a ball distribution. A lot of these teams, particularly out west, are so deep at receiver. I think that's what makes them makes them so good. Right. Uh, so BC Edmonton. I'm taking the Lions to win this one. You're taking the Eskimos, correct? Yes, by begrudgingly, to be honest with you. All right, and then our final game of the week, Mike. Uh, the Montreal Alouettes in Saskatchewan to face the Riders. Uh, Storylines for this game, what are they? For which game, sorry? Alouettes in Saskatchewan. Well, again, I don't think it's going to get any worse for Montreal, but again, this is a very winnable game if you're looking at you know, some of the problems potentially on that Saskatchewan offensive line. Willie could have some success, assuming they get him the ball. Assuming Willie the starter, let's maybe start there. I think he will be. I think so. So they brought in Vernon Adams this week. I wouldn't be surprised if Vernon Adams takes starting job over before Labor Day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's a little too early to put him in. That being said, when things are as they were Friday night against the Bombers, no. is it ever too early? I don't want to make a suggestion here because I'm not one to speculate on people's futures. But if this goes really bad again in Montreal, considering the Saskatchewan quarterbacking perceived issues, and there are issues, considering the offensive line, is it far-fetched to say that Mike Sherman's job may be on the line? I mean, how often is Montreal going to keep firing coaches, though? But the question becomes, can you stomach games where you're not very good? Right. Um, if you want to, and part of me has to wonder if Mike Sherman maybe got himself in a little bit too deep, hmm. and that his inexperience caused the train to roll down the hill. If you want to talk about guys facing their former teams, I mean, Brandon Bridge gets to start with Zach Caleros out. He'll be facing the Alouettes. Um, we talked about Vernon Adams, who's been a member of both these teams, but he won't be in the starting lineup at this, this point week. i have more confidence in brian bridge than i do true willie do you think 
Deron Carter. Uh, if we want to talk about former teams, do you think Deron Carter, who's known for a bit of trash talking, uh, is licking his chops at the opportunity for another pick six this week against uh, Drew Willie and the Alouettes? I shudder what happens in Montreal if they lose a blowout at 10. Well, it's something uh, rather unfortunately they've gotten used to over the last 13 games. Because for me, based on what I saw last week, based on what I saw on the tail end of the BC game, I can't see how this is a close game. The big matchup for me is... Can Drew Willie survive the Riders' defensive line? Exactly. Because if we get the Rider D line that we saw on in week number one, no chance. This game's a blowout. Well, and the Riders even improved their defensive line this week because they brought in Mikhail Brooks, another strong defensive lineman, to add to the mix there. wonder if we see a D lineman switch over to the offense because they have no depth there. Just a thought. Chris Jones likes to MacGyver people around. Um, I'm surprised when Tyler Krapina went down that they actually brought in another kicker and then just take a guy off the offensive line and uh, throw him into the kicking position because well, they like to do that. Brett Lauder has been on CFL teams before, so not really a surprise. But right. to me, I don't see this being close. Politely, I'm going to say between 10 and 17 point win for Saskatchewan. Anything less than a 10 point defeat for Montreal at this point is a win, unfortunately. Yeah. And I, I hate, like, nobody hates talking down about a team. No, everybody hates talking down. Well, some people don't, but... I hate talking down about the Owlets. I want the Owlets to be good. I just don't see how they win this week. Hmm. If the only substantial lineup change is Brandon Bridge in for Kalaros, you got to think Bridge is going to be better with a full week of preparation. You have to think Saskatchewan's going to bounce back after last week, right? Like We saw a strong performance week one, a terrible game last week. You have to think we're going to get something more in and the middle. And the emotion in the building for the whole Humboldt-Strawn, because this is the Humboldt-Broncos-Humboldt-Strawn game in right. Saskatchewan. I mean, I, I'm taking Saskatchewan. You are as well. Let's, let's be clear on that, right? Right. Right. I'm hoping Montreal makes this close game. I want to see a bounce back week A lot of things West. have to happen for Montreal to win. Uh, Fantasy-wise this week, uh, Saskatchewan, uh, I'm taking the defense. Uh, consistently, how do you, you know, get a successful defense? You pick who's playing the Montreal Alouettes. That's the case. Sadly, as of right now, uh, I mean, some of those guys on the defensive line, and the, they're going to cause nightmares for I Montreal. I want to take Cunningham. I want to take Eugene Lewis. But quite frankly, I don't know if they have – I don't know if they will get the ball. Offense? I don't know if there will be time to get them the ball. That's – Offensively, is there someone you'd uh, who would you take for the Riders if you picked someone on offense? Naaman Roosevelt. Why Roosevelt? Um, to me, he had a pretty quiet game against the Red Blacks. You see, and that's just it, right? The whole offense had a quiet game. I didn't teach him to exploit some Montreal defense, which one would hope 
it's going to play better. I think we'll know very early on. But with Duran Carter being on the defense, Naaman Roosevelt is looked upon for some big catches. If you want to talk about guys to take from the Alouettes, uh, to me, honestly, it's whoever is lining up against Duran Carter. Because Carter will probably get a pick six. You're not going to lose points for that. But if it's, uh, I don't know right now, as of right now, who it is lining up against him. If it's a guy like Chris Williams, we saw Deontay Spencer blow past Duran Carter with speed there and uh, come in for a big touchdown. As sad as this conversation is, (laughs) is the ball going to get there? Right. Chris Williams is probably one of the guys I'm looking at if I were to take someone from the Alouettes. Ernest Jackson? Maybe Ernest Jackson. I want to say Terrell Sutton because he's one of the best running backs in the league, but there's just no signs that he's going to get the ball as much as he should. Um... So fantasy wise, and, honest, and I think to me that that puts a whole lot of pressure on Drew Willie. Fantasy wise, honestly, I'd stay away from the Owets this week. I think is the best way to put it. Uh, so we're both taking the Riders to win this game. So just to recap here, Mike, our picks: um, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. We're taking them over the Montreal Owets. We are. You're taking Edmonton. I'm taking BC. Uh, we're both taking Hamilton, I believe, over the Bombers. And uh, did you, we took, both took Calgary over Ottawa, correct? Yeah. All right. Well, Mike, as I mentioned before, uh, we were ple- I was pleased to be joined by Joe Pritchard of the Rouge, White, and Blue podcast for an interview uh, previewing the Bombers and the Ticats matchup this week. So without further ado, let's get into my interview with Joe Pritchard. And now I'm pleased to be joined by our guest for our week three preview, Joe. It is Joe Pritchard of the Rouge, White, and Blue podcast. Welcome to the show, Joe. Uh, Thanks for having me, and welcome to the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Yes, thank you very much. Of course, you guys are a member of that as well, and we are honored to be joining you and all of the other great Canadian Football Podcast Network shows. Well, we'll def- we're, we're definitely be happy to have you. Uh, we we know you got a quality show, uh, even though your choice of guests is sometimes questionable. Having me back for a second time. <laughs> yeah, well, last time we had you in studio, this time we figured we wouldn't fly you in from the states. Uh, not that we did that specifically for that last time, but we figured we'd just uh, we do it over the old Skype here. Uh, we're here to preview Week Three in the CFL. Uh, you, of course, uh, as many know, are a Bomber fan. So before we begin with that, your take on what you've seen from the Bombers in the first two weeks. Well, I became a Bomber fan in 2005, and at, from then to just about now, the team hasn't really given me a much, much cho- chance to be optimistic. So I was thinking that the Nichols being out was going to be, well, one of those things that happens to the Bombers. But... Well, I think it's pretty clear that uh, they may have dodged a bullet. Yeah, the uh, some people calling it the Strevolution. Chris Strevler, uh, outstanding start to his CFL career. What do you make of his start uh, through two games? And uh, are you on the hype train when it comes to Chris Strevler? Uh, well, put it this way, I'm at the station. I'm not quite boarded the train yet. I mean, obviously, it's been a fantastic couple weeks. Well, at least last week. The first week was... Uh, more than I could have hoped for, though, to be honest. So uh, really looking forward to seeing how he carries on over the next few weeks now that teams have a chance to get a look at tape on him and have a better sense of what kind of a player he is. But 
Uh, I feel a lot more confident going forward that if Matt Nichols goes down again, uh, it's, the season won't be over at that point. Yeah, it's kind of nice to finally have that uh, that backup plan if that is the case. Um, getting into and for, this, and for the and for that matter, a homegrown quarterback. When's the last time uh, the Bombers could say that? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's been quite some time. I I can't even think of who the last one would be. Yeah, it's been that long. <laughs> it's been that long. Uh, getting into the this week's games because that's what we're here to do. The Bombers are in Hamilton, face the Tie Cats this week. Uh, the Bombers coming off the fifty-six to ten shellacking of the Montreal Alouettes, and uh, the Tie Cats are coming off a very impressive performance of their own with a thirty-eight twenty-one win over the Eskimos. Uh, the way I kind of like to go through and preview the games each week is break down the matchups, offense, defense, and special teams, give kind of an idea of where we see this game going. So let's start with the offensive side of the ball. Which team do you give the edge to here? That's rather tough. I actually like both offenses pretty well, but I would just have to go for the, with the Bombers simply for the fact that there's still not a lot to go off of for Hamilton's defense to plan. They now have a better sense of what kind of quarterback Streveler is, but at the same time, they don't really know yet uh, the full of everything he can do. So I think that gives the Bombers actually a slight advantage there. Uh, I do like Hamilton's offense quite well. Uh, Mercer Timmis is breaking out. Their receiving core is very solid. Uh, doesn't seem to be a lot of problem with the line, even though they made a questionable trade on draft day to to uh, get rid of a former All-Star off the line. But right, uh, and that's Ryan. When Lyon it comes down, traded to Montreal, right? Right, exactly. But when it comes down to it, I just feel like the Bombers have a little bit more of an element of surprise. And especially since they are likely going to have Andrew Harris back, I feel just a little bit more confident about their offense. Yeah, I wonder how long the lack of game film works in the Bombers' favor offensively. Certainly it's hard to game plan against a guy that uh, you, you don't know nothing about. I mean, this is he has two starts of professional football, and they've come in the last two weeks. Yeah, I would say another couple weeks is about as far as that ship will sail, because then there'll be enough that there's a bit more of a body of work there. Uh, but it'd be, but if he does have to come back later in the season, too, uh, be a little bit harder for teams to, um, especially if he has to come in mid-game, adjust their defense uh, to what he brings to the table as opposed to what Nichols brings to the table, because they're very different quarterbacks. Right. From the Hamilton side of things here, I think I, I have a little bit of fears of what Mazzoli can do against this Bombers defense. Because you look at who the Bombers defense has played in the first two weeks, uh, mainly quarterbacks. You know, you have Mike Riley, a very mobile quarterback who used his legs a lot and was pretty successful. I mean, very successful against the Bombers defense. And then you have Drew Willie, who's known as not really a mobile guy at all. Uh, struggled greatly against the Bombers' defense. So Mazzoli's a guy who loves to use his legs. He has a lot of weapons at his disposal. I might have to give the edge to the Ticats' offense in this one, but I'd say it's a pretty even matchup. Yeah, and I do expect that they'll have at least one big play because if there's any issue that the Bombers' defense has, it's still giving up those big, big gainers. I, I, I can all but guarantee you the first pass of the game is going to Brandon Banks down the sideline. 
Yeah, and we'll just hold our breath and wait and see how that one turns out. Absolutely. Looking at the defensive side of the ball, who do you uh, who do you give the edge to in this one? I like the Bombers' defense a lot, except for that big play issue. Uh, they seem to clean it up a bit against Montreal. Montreal only having the one big play, about a 40-yard gainer. Uh, we'll have to see, though. The Ticats have a lot more weapons, but on a play-to-play basis... I like the Bombers' playmaking abilities, uh, the ways uh, their defensive line has the chance to bring some pressure. If they can contain Mazzoli, that'll help. Having at a big hill is just enormous. It, it gives me so much more confidence in the defense than when he was not there. Uh, so I like that. I'm still trying to get my head wrapped around what the Tiger Cats have this year on defense. But they limited Mike Riley and the Edmonton Eskimos to 21 points, so they can't have a bad one, that's for sure. Right. I want to backtrack here a little bit to what the Bombers did in the offseason, get your take on that. I meant to do that before we got into the week preview here. Uh, you mentioned the defense. They brought in a lot of big pieces in the offseason, but they decided to stick with Richie Hall as defensive coordinator. What is your take on all of the things they did on the defensive side of the ball? I have to say, uh, I definitely like them big hill was the big was the big um, acquisition that came rather late uh losing jamal westerman doesn't necessarily help but they didn't have him much last season either so they were already kind of working on moving on from him at that point is my guess on that uh the secondary shakeup. uh we're gonna see now whether it's a scheme issue or whether it's the players themselves uh Gator, Fenner, and what have you, as far as uh, new players filling in there. Uh, we'll see if it's if it's Richie Hall's play calling. We'll see if it's the execution last year. We'll, we're going to get a lot of answers as to what happened last year this season. And I think it's safe to say it's going to possibly take a couple of weeks here to find out what those true answers are. Because, yeah, you have all these brand new pieces in the defense, but, you know, how do they fit into the scheme and how does the scheme effectively built around them? That's going to take a couple weeks to figure out. And I'm wondering here, getting back to the matchup with the Ticats, if it's still early for the Bombers defense and the Ticats are going to exploit that. Uh, yeah, we will see. It's going to take some time for all the pieces to come together. But, I mean, you limit any Canadian football team to 10 points on offense, you're doing something right. Uh, so... Uh, granted it's Montreal, but still, uh, Willie has shown that if you give him time, he can uh, make some plays, and the Bombers were just not giving him that time. Yeah, and you look at the Bombers' defense, one of its biggest strengths has always been forcing turnovers, and uh, that is something that while he's performed greatly, Mazzoli is kind of has a reputation of, of, of doing, so maybe there's an opening there for the Bombers to pick up some big plays on defense. I'll give a bit of an edge to the Ticats just because I look at the job they did in shutting down Calgary for the most part in the first game. I mean, Bowley by Mitchell completed less than 50% of his passes. And then, like you said, limited the Eskimos 21 points there as well. So I think I give a bit of an edge to the Ticats, but those Bombers defense could make some big plays when they need to in order to uh, turn it in their favor. Right. It's this this game is a rather tight one. It is in Hamilton, but that's not as scary as it used to be. Right. Uh, yeah, remember, it's going to come down to a it's going to come down to a couple big plays. Yeah, remember when uh, the donut box there Tim Hortons Field used to be 
I believe they used to be perfect for quite a while, something like an 8-0 there. Uh, and they seemed unbeatable, but uh, since then they've taken a bit of a step back. Certainly that first half of the season last year was a big part of that. Right. I, I was actually in in the place for the Bomber game in 2015. It was just a different atmosphere. Uh, just seemed like the Tiger Cats could do no wrong, uh, especially right out of the gate. So uh, that's obviously gone away. That's going to go into the lore of um, the CFL more so than the present. Uh, but still, uh, the road game makes it a little bit harder to uh, lean toward the Bombers, but for some reason, I'm actually feeling like I'm going to be uh, leaning toward the Bombers for this one. All right, fair enough. Uh, and then special teams side of the ball, you've got uh, the Thai Cats. Uh, they're not using Brandon Banks on the kick returns. They're using, I think it's Frankie Williams uh, is their return guy this year. Uh, you've got Liam Harolahu, former Bomber kicking for the Thai Cats, and of course here in Winnipeg, you have a mix of Kevin Fogg and I believe Mo Leggett doing the kick returns now and uh, the good old Justin Medlock doing the kicking. So who do you give the edge to uh, special teams wise? Uh, with Banks not involved, I have to give the edge to Winnipeg. Absolutely. Uh, Medlock, Medlock's uh, accuracy, uh, his punting isn't quite as um, revered, so to speak, as his uh, field goal kicking, but I know which kicker I'd prefer to have on my team. And I also prefer the uh, Bombers return game right now. So that's a, and coverage teams for that matter. So I'll go Winnipeg on this one and feel pretty confident about it. Plus, is anyone ever really going to doubt Mike O'Shea, the special teams specialist? No, we're just going to have to sit there and wait to see what, what he's cooked up for this season as far as that play that just makes you go, wow. Yeah, well, you can't do the uh, the guy ghosting along the sideline this year like they did on special teams last year with Mike Miller because they end up uh, putting that in the rule book that Mike O'Shea can't do that anymore. So it remains to be seen what he does next. Uh, there's one thing I love about watching the Bombers. Well, there's many things I love. Uh, it's definitely the trick plays they come up with. Uh, we saw that Darvin Adams trick play touchdown pass to Andrew Harris this past week. I can only imagine what they have in store for the Ticats coming up this week. Yep, they're not shy about uh, showing what they can do. Uh, so we've gone through offense, defense, and special teams. Overall, uh, you kind of mentioned you were leaning towards the Bombers here. Is that who you're picking to win this game? That it is um, kind of a switch from the way I've been feeling about the team over the uh, since the Nichols injury, but I'm being proven very, very wrong about my stance at when it happened so i'm gonna ride that i'm gonna go yeah i was wrong so let's adjust that and i'll go with the bombers in a game that um i'm not feeling terribly confident about it's going to be probably one of the best games of the week uh, but i do see them making one or two more big plays in this one i'm actually going to go the opposite side of things here uh, I, I like what you said with a lot of that there i agree with you it comes down to a couple of big plays I believe in this Bombers defense to a certain extent, but until they can show me to that they can make that stand late in the game when this game could turn into a shootout and they need that final drive stop there, I don't know if they're going to get it against Mazzoli, who's performed really well so far this season. So I'm going to give the Ticats the edge in a close game here. Yeah, I could I could see this one going either way very, very easily. Uh, uh, 
I just got I just got reminded of why I believed in this team before the Nichols injury. So I I can't ignore that. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. All around, definitely a close game. Uh, I want to get your take quickly here on how you see the other matchups of the week going. Uh, starting off with the first game of the week, the uh, the Red Blacks and the Calgary Stampeders in Calgary. Oh, this one has the this one has a chance to be really, really good. Like their oh, like their early season matchups over the past few seasons. Uh, I the numbers tell me just based off how much Calgary has won over the past uh, three or four regular seasons, not to bet against Calgary at home. Uh, but I could see this one coming down to the last possession or maybe even going into overtime the way these things tend to do. So I, I'm going to pick a, another classic, but I have to go with Calgary. I just can't uh, can't go against the numbers on this one. Yeah, I you know, we've been doing this podcast for a while. I don't know if I've ever not picked Calgary to win a regular season game because the, the odds are just in your favor when you do so. So good in the regular season, especially at home. Uh, I agree with you. You mentioned the classic games between these two teams. I, I, I essentially have this one going to overtime as well. And uh, I have Calgary pulling it out in overtime with an Eric Rogers touchdown uh, catch. I'll even give you that. Ooh, I like that. Uh, then uh, as part of the Friday doubleheader, so the first game is the Bombers and the Ticats, and then we have the BC Lions coming off the bye week in Edmonton to face the Eskimos as they look for a rebound after losing to Hamilton. How do you see this go- game going? I haven't really seen a reason to believe in the BC Lions yet, uh, and I have seen reason to believe in the Eskimos. Actually, uh, the Eskimos are my pick for the great cup even now so i'm definitely going to go with the eskimos in this one i i'm i think i'm going to go with bc actually i you know i think it's going to be another close game another high scoring game these two teams played high scoring games last year uh, as far as i can remember uh i'm concerned about edmonton's defense after the first two weeks because we saw two very mobile quarterbacks and chris strevler and Jeremiah Mazzoli performed very well against their defense, who, to their credit, is missing a bunch of their starters. But Jonathan Jennings loves to use his legs. Granted, his first game was against Montreal as well, but he looked very effective in that one. I I like the matchup of Burnham and Arsenault against Edmonton's uh, defense. But I also love Edmonton's offense against BC's defense. So I think we got a shootout here. And I'll give it to uh, I'll give it to the BC Lions to somehow pull this one out. Mm, yeah, I, I I'm not really feeling the Lions, but I could you do make some good points on that front. So I'm gonna I'll I'll take that under advisement, but I'm staying with Edmonton. <laughs> Fair enough. Consider that my lowest uh, confidence pick of the week here. Uh, and then getting into the final game of the week, the game that I'm pretty sure most people have their highest confidence in. Uh, it is the Montreal Alouettes in Saskatchewan to face the Riders. Uh, your take on what we get in this game? I think it's going to be ugly. <laughs> <laughs> we know that we know from personal experience. Let's put it this way: that Drew Willie is not good under pressure. Uh, we know that the Montreal offensive line isn't uh, fantastic. I mean, they're 
even putting uh, Xavier Fulton on the second team this week from the from the sounds of things in practice. So they're really not confident about what they have. And the one thing the Riders do have is a defensive line that makes quarterbacks nervous. So I think this is going to be ugly. I don't see the Riders putting up a lot of points on offense, but I could see their defense scoring a couple touchdowns themselves and this one being just ugly. Over under on the number of sacks for Charleston Hughes. He had three in week one uh, against the Argos. Do you see less or more than that? Well, that depends well, I mean, on more than, more than three is a little tough, but more than three is a little tough, but I'll say three is a pretty good guess. Uh, it just depends on what Montreal has to do to try to stop him. Because if they put too much, to try to stop him, everybody else is going to eat. It's they're, they're just not going to have enough to keep the rider defensive line from putting up, I would say six or seven easy. Right. Uh, I'll go with the Riders as well. You know, both teams had a terrible game this past week. The difference is I can see the Riders bouncing back from a terrible game. I can't yet at this point see the Alouettes doing so. Um, Offensively for the Riders, bit of a question mark now. I mean, Brandon Bridge, granted he played last year, but, um, you know, what's he going to do with this new offense there? And how will the offensive line perform uh, for the Riders uh, against uh, Montreal defense that... You know, they didn't show great this past week, but I, I still like the makeup of that defense. Yeah, and you take you put Bridge in, who is clearly not the guy as far as the writers are concerned, because if he was, they don't spend all that money on Zach Kalaros. And then you take away one of Bridge's best weapons and play him on defense. That kind of leads me to believe the offense is going to not be all that high-performing, but they're not going to have to be this week. Right. Uh, if you have to pick up a pick a game of the week for this week, uh, which game do you think it will be? Well, if it's not the Bombers Tie Cats, it'll be the Red Black Stamps. Uh, if I could only watch one this week, and I didn't have a team uh, that in the mix, I would probably go Red Black Stamps. Yeah, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly with that assessment. Well, Joe, before we uh, wrap things up here and let you go, I want to give you, the, obviously, the opportunity to plug your work. And uh, so where can people find your work and where can people find you on social media? All right. Well, you can find me specifically at USFL Tecmo on Twitter. Uh, we also have a show account for the Rouge, White, and Blue podcast. It's RWB Podcast. Um, they, that's where you could find our latest shows. Uh shows that we put together with Oz Davis and Dr. Rouge. Uh, we're going to be recording tomorrow night. Uh, the, tomorrow night, well, tonight being Tuesday night, so tomorrow, be, or tonight, tomorrow being Wednesday. So our show is generally out on either late Wednesday or midday Thursday. Wonderful. So everyone, make sure you check that out. It's a great listen every week, and uh, we strongly recommend it. Uh, So I want to thank you here, Joe, for joining me on our week three preview. Uh, It's a pleasure to speak with you again. Uh, Will you be making the trip to Winnipeg for the Banjo Bowl again this year? Yes, I will be. I'll be up for Banjo Bowl, and I'll also be in Edmonton for Grey Cup. Wonderful. We wish we could be joining you in Edmonton for the Grey Cup, but we're excited you're coming back to our city for another Bomber game here for the Banjo Bowl, and hopefully it's as good as the one was last year. I sure hope so, too. That was a blast. That was a blast. We'll leave it at that. Thanks again for joining us here on the show, Joe. Uh, We really appreciate it, and we hope you enjoy the game this week. Yep, thanks for having me. Wonderful. Thank you.
And that was Joe Pritchard of the Rouge, White, and Blue podcast joining us here for our Week 3 CFL preview. Thank you again to Joe for joining us. It's always a pleasure to have him here on the Canadian Football Countdown. Mike, if you had to pick one game going into Week 3, that's your game of the week. Which one would that be? You know, I, I said that the Winnipeg-Hamilton game would be game of the week material. Calgary-Ottawa would be game of the week material as well. So the there's some really juicy games with some juicy storylines, and I don't expect the same as what we saw last week as far as blowouts. Yeah, hopefully not, because while there were some entertaining storylines in that one, uh, not very many close football games last week in the week of the blowout. Hopefully we get the week of games decided in the final minute. And of course, as I say always, I can't stress this enough after last week, I just hope no quarterbacks go down and nobody at any position gets seriously injured this week, Mike. Yeah, and again, my sincere get well wishes to Ricky Ray. Absolutely, and of course the Argos are off this week with a bye week. Uh, any? Do you have any? Uh, what are you looking forward to in week two, week well, three here? Well, I will be away on vacation somewhere. I'll reveal where I am next week. So I'm going to be PVR in a lot of these games uh, at the location where I am. So I look forward to watching after what I'm going there to do is finished, recapping on CFL. We'll leave it here. Uh, looking forward to the podcast next week, Mike. No live show. Uh, so our week three recap will not be recorded live on Mike FM Winnipeg. Because uh, as you mentioned, you will be on vacation. Uh, so we hope you enjoy your vacation. But that does not mean you get a pass away from talking about CFL football. Because you'll still be here. I'll still be here. Week The three, boss wouldn't allow me to take the week off. Nope. Week 3 recap. Uh, Tuesday next week. Uh, should be coming Sometime, out Tuesday yeah. night. Uh, week 4 preview coming out early Wednesday morning as usual. Follow us on Twitter at CFC on MikeFM for all the information on that. Check out our website at MikeFMWinnipeg.com slash the Canadian Football Countdown. Uh, that last part's all hyphenated. You can look for Mike's power rankings coming out Thursday morning this week. Uh, his week two power rankings coming out on the website there. And as we've mentioned, uh, we are officially members now of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. So check out all of the great Canadian Football Podcast Network shows at cfpodnetwork.ca and at cfpodnetwork on Twitter. Just a quick thing. I'm standing our Twitter feed. Uh, very, very blown away by the reception we've gotten so far in the, in the past couple hours since the announcement. Yes, absolutely. And very grateful to uh, be a member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. And look for lots more content from us here on the Canadian Football Countdown to come. Hope you all enjoy this week's games. Hopefully they're a little closer than last week, and we will talk to you again next week. For Michael Garrell, I'm Ryan Coop saying thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Canadian Football Countdown. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.